0: based on the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 1 to 23. We might not get through everything, but we'll do all possible to do it. Uh, In this chapter, we learn from the saints of Jesus because he talks about the act of judging. He talks about prayer, asking and receiving. He talks about the narrow way. And he also talks about those that say, Lord, Lord, that give lip service to the Lord, but their heart. Is really not there. These are things that give us a firm foundation. So we will start from the reading of Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 6. Judge not that you will be not judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? But do not consider the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove a speck from your eye. And look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye. Then you will see clearly and remove the speck from your brother's eye. Father, we ask you for wisdom this day. I pray that you will be strong in my weaknesses and that you would bless Everyone that showed up to service today, in the name of Christ, your living Son and our Savior, we pray, Lord. everybody said, Amen. Amen. See, uh, this scripture, every Christian knows, don't judge me. We use it very uh, fast. Do not judge me, please. Unfortunately, many people use it very wrong, out of context. So we all know, well, we all know that. even non-Christians know, don't, don't judge me. I believe in science, you know? That type of thing, you know? (laughs) Because we live in a culture that claims everyone has a right to do what he or she wants to do. These verses are quoted very often. Every time the church makes a pronouncement and says something is sin, immediately people respond and say, no, do not judge me. And there is a way of doing it wrong. We want to make sure that we want to do things right. So God gives here two warnings, so that's something we have to look at here. The first thing is that we have to understand that Jesus gave a warning, do not judge or you will be judged. But this is in a a direct relationship among Christians. It's in a relationship between Christians. The second thing that we have in view here is that here, with respect to the concept of judging, the warning is not the judgment of discernment we all make judgments but it's called discerning you when you cross the street you're making a judgment you're saying that truck is far away it's not going to hit me you're always making a judgment you're evaluating or evaluating behaviors evil or good you always make always called to make a right judgment not an unjust uh, judgment you're evaluating when you see your, when you had probably your little children, you probably saw some things you didn't like in the other kid and you made a judgment. You say, I don't want you hanging out with that kid. It was not because you hated the other kid, but you loved your child. That's what you did. It's a right judgment. So we are calling in the light of God's law to evaluate human behavior and to determine whether it is good or evil, not the motives, the behavior. We cannot guess people's motives I tell people not to go there and I'm always correcting our people do not tell me what they're thinking please I don't even understand my own motives sometimes we cannot guess other people's motives so what's in view here is God saying do not judge in a condemnation type of way you know we don't this is the thing you have to stay away from so other ways of saying this could be don't don't come then because if not you will also be condemned see see a very a good example we can go to is the woman caught in adultery that is a great example john in the gospel gives the account of the woman caught in adultery the pharisees let the offending man go so see they weren't exercising justice they let the man go they brought the woman and they brought the woman and they paraded the woman and brought the woman in humiliation to the feet of Jesus. The Pharisees were not looking for a sound judgment or a right judgment. They were looking to use the woman as an excuse but to trap Jesus. See, the law of Moses said that a person caught in adultery was to be stoned. That's what the law of Moses said. But the, the, uh, the The Israelites were under Roman occupation, so they were forbidden to exercise what we call capital punishment. Only the Romans were allowed to do that. So see, Jesus was here facing a dilemma. He had to choose between obeying Caesar or obeying the law of Moses. Because see, the Pharisees didn't bring this woman because they wanted to do something right for her. They wanted to trap Jesus. We've got to remember they hated Jesus. They were the fake. And when the, and when the legitimate thing shows up, the fakes don't like that. So, obviously, Jesus chose, and he chose the law of Moses. He said, she should be stoned. So he took a side. But then after that, Jesus got down on his knees, and the Word of God says that he began writing in the dust. The Word of God doesn't say what he wrote. Stay silent, but many Bible commentaries say that he started writing the sin of the of the woman's accusers. So then Jesus stood up and said, He who is without sin among you, throw the first stone at the woman. And one by one, all the woman's accusers went away, leaving Jesus alone with the woman. See, at this point, you, Jesus asked the question to the woman, where are the accusers that accuse you? And the woman answered, they left, Lord. And Jesus said, I don't accuse you, but go and send no more. See, the only person that really qualified to accuse this woman was Jesus. And Jesus is giving us the example that instead, of accusing her, he decided to give her mercy, compassion. But see, he did say that it was wrong to do adultery. He sided with Moses, he didn't side with Caesar. But he told her, Do not go and sin no more. So he he choose, he chose to sigh. See, Jesus had the judgment of discernment, the behavior. He recognized the woman's sin. Yet, he gave her forgiveness. And that is something that we ought to be fast to give to people. The gift of charity, of compassion, and forgiveness. One thing that defines Christians' life should be forgiveness. Uh, that's, uh, you know, sometimes we say, you know, I forgive, but I don't forget. Well, there's there's kind of two ways of that, because... Yes, you forget in a sense, but in another sense, you you don't forget because, see, like if, if your purse gets stolen and there's a brother that came and he has a background where he used to take things that he didn't like, and he took your purse, and you find out that he took your purse, the ushers give it back to you, you forgive that brother, I forgive you, brother, but see, you're going to watch your purse more closely when he's close. So you forget, you forgive them, but you're a little more careful now. But you forgive uh, the brother because we're, we're all still... In a process. What, so what God is really, really here referring to is that those that have a critical spirit always of picking at something. They are not happy unless somebody is unhappy. And there's people with that critical spirit. And that is what God is referring to here when it comes to judging. That type of judging is the, the, what God is asking us to be far away from. See, Jesus is not advocating in the book of Matthew to be just to have an optimistic view of sin. No, no, everything's okay. No, 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 no. Jesus cited, he said, this is wrong. But after he said that, he gave compassion and forgiveness to this woman. While there are people that cannot look at anything without finding some type of fall, there are those who look at the world through color glasses. You know, we, we have to have a balance. You know, we just can't say, No, it's okay, you know, when it's maybe a heinous sin, you know, we have to deal with it, you know. But we deal with compassion, knowing that it could be me. As Christians, we should be those who are quick to give charity. What I mean by charity is compassion and mercy. We should be those that are slow to come to a condemnation of others. We have to be very slow when it comes to do that. See, but the reality is that Anything that happens to human beings could happen to anybody. It really could happen to anybody. So the judgment of condemnation does just the opposite. When you exercise judgment of condemnation, it destroys relationships. Nothing ruins the community of a church faster than coming with a very judgmental attitude where you're condemning a person. It destroys relationship. Mercy, forgiveness builds something. And makes them loyal. Jesus calls the attention to our tendency to give judgment. And we have to give the judgment of charity. See, we give that judgment. We already do. But we give it to ourselves. When we sin, we call it, oh, that was a little mistake. A little piccadillo. When it was a huge mistake. So we give that. We give the judgment of charity to us. But not. To others. And once again, we never judge the motives of others because we cannot possibly know what they're thinking. We can only see the behavior. We are called to see and evaluate because we are to see what's right and obviously what's wrong. Jesus is making the point that nothing will tear up the part, the church, faster, than coming with that a really judgmental condemnation type of attitude for others. That are still struggling in the faith and that are need our help. If you consider yourself strong, you are to be there for your brother and your sister. That is one of the marks of somebody strong. We help our brothers that are weaker in the faith. Matthew 7, 3-5 to continues saying, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? Notice how God continues, Jesus continues building on the point in your brother's eye. But do not consider the plank on your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your own eye. And look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So see here, Jesus uses two objects here. He uses the object of a plank, talking about a wooden being or a wooden log. And he uses the example of a speck, which is, Sawdust. So he's using the example you would find on a carpenter shop. Yes, you know, Jesus was a carpenter. That's what he learned as a job. Hint, hint, for us young guys. So see, the, the word refers here a very large log when it talks about a plank. A being in contrast to a speck of dust. Jesus' point is that someone whose eye is covered by a thick plane cannot see clearly. And that's the problem we have as human beings. When we have a plank in our own, we cannot see clearly. So the sawdust in our brothers or sisters, that becomes a huge deal, but we cannot see clearly to begin with. This is called justification of the wrong kind. We justify what we do, and we're very critical of what others do. And that's what Jesus is referring to here. One reason God directs the attention to the speck on someone's eye is that, see, when we are critics of others, it distracts us from our own sin. That's what it does. It's easier to pick at somebody else's sin than to pick at our own sin. And like I said, this is how sin destroys human relationships and communities. And that is why Jesus is warning us to be careful. If we adopt a judgmental spirit towards others, what goes around will come back around. See, this could happen between a relationship between a, a father and son. Whenever your, your your son is, you know, is, is going through that teenage rebellion stage, and, and you start getting very upset and you start calling him names. You start saying, Man, you will never become anything like your brother. And he starts embracing that, I will be sure not to become anything. And and it becomes like an automatic prophecy on them. Instead of uh, working with that young man. I know it's tough sometimes, but we have to exercise also the charity in those, especially in our house, that see us 24-7. See, uh, see, it was very easy for me to be a Christian when I was single. Once I got married, oh, that changed. <laughs> Somebody was watching me 24-7. Oh, my Lord, what, did my faith get tested? And I, and I sometimes would walk around like a police, spiritual police. You did, this, you did that, you know. And, and the Lord spoke to my life and said, do I do that with you? Oh, my Lord. I have had one of the, one of the most humiliating experiences in a good way. In marriage, where I have had to face my own fate and say, am I going to justify myself, or am I going to learn from this? Am I going to examine my own heart? So marriage has been, I have a, I have said this, I have learned more in one, I have grown more as a Christian in one year of marriage than in ten of being single. It is, it is a lesson. So we are called to be To have the kind of love that covers a multitude of sins. That's what Christ did for us. If we see a speck in our brother's eye, I must must cover it with love. That's what I have to do. In my soul, I have to see. It's hard to think. We usually think bad of people. We have to force ourselves to think good of people. Because it's for your own good. It's for your heart. People tell me, "Yeah, but you know he's bad. You know he's evil." I have to force myself to think good of him. See, cuz this destroys the body of Christ. Oversaw us. Which is Jesus point here. Now, when we execute judgment, we have to execute a right judgment, like I said, but not the judgment of condemnation, but the judgment of discernment. You know, we have to understand that it's discerning, you know, is, is that right, is that wrong? Not the motives, not what the person's thinking, was that right, was that wrong? It's, it's something that it, it informs us of, that we are living in the truth and making that, that exercise. Verse 6 says, our Lord Jesus just had said, judge not that you be not judged. And then he concludes his course, by saying, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Now, I got to remind you that we're talking about building your life on a firm foundation. So we are learning from the sayings of Jesus. We might might say he's talking about different things, but he's building a foundation in us. He's building character. He's building the way we deal with God and we deal with each other. You know, uh, somebody say, you know, I wouldn't have a problem in church unless other people wouldn't have a problem with me. Well, this is what God is teaching you. To love your neighbor as yourself. To love God. And when you love God, you love others. See, in order to obey we have to be able to discern between what's holy and what's not. See, the dogs in Israel were not little beautiful pets that we have today where you feed them, you take them to the doctor, you put air conditioning for that in their little house. You know, they, they, were, they didn't have the privilege. You know, they were, the dogs in Israel were scavengers. Nobody wanted them. They were like pigs. You know, they were roaming around in the street. So that is what God is saying. So obviously, somebody from Israel knew that, You didn't give something good to a dog, to a scavenger. So obviously here God is referring the, the term dog to a person. Jesus is pointing out that people have the good sense not to give good things to somebody that will not appreciate them. See, there are people who make it their business to hate the kingdom of God. Especially here in California. See, Jesus is not advising us to hate such people. That is not the point. But we don't give a pearl of great price to somebody that would not appreciate it. See, a pig would think that an acorn is better than a pearl. They don't know how to tell any better. See, when Jesus sent out the disciples in their mission, he said, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who it is worthy and stay there until you go out. And when you go into a household, greet Greet it if the household is worthy; let your peace come upon. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever would not receive you nor hear your words when you live apart, when you live apart from that house or city, shake up the dust from your feet. You see what even uh, Jesus told the disciples: see, if they receive you, your peace will go in there. But if they don't receive you, shake the dust, go to the next house. That's what Jesus is saying. Well, you know, well, it is right. Obviously, I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression, but it is right to care about people that are hostile towards the things of God. We must do that. But we must not spend all our time giving to somebody what they don't want. We have to be discerning, you know. See, when the Apostle Paul went to preach to Athens, you know, people would hear him. Some people would listen. Some people would mock him. Some people would fight with him. So when he finished, some embraced the message, and some did not want to hear the message. For those who responded to Paul's message, what did the Apostle Paul do? He spent time with them. He answered their questions. You know, this is called evangelism. One one. He spent time with them, you know? It was not just, uh, I'm give to give you this little track. He spent time with them. He gave them time, you know? I'm not saying nothing against tracks. A lot of people come with tracks, you know? We give to, we're, we're working on some tracks right now. He talked to them and answered every question he could. But for those who objectively refused to hear the gospel, he didn't spend any more time. He didn't condemn them. He probably just said, you know what, maybe at another time, maybe somebody else, you will listen to somebody else. It's not your time. He just left. So, see, in Matthew 7, Jesus is giving us a warning. He was giving us that he has given us the gospel. Our salvation is a pearl of great price. We just don't give it to people that don't want to. And that would not value it. And like I said, the pigs do not value the pigs. The pigs, their heaven is the mud. And sometimes that is the nature on somebody at that moment. Again, Jesus is not saying that we are to adopt a hard attitude towards people. We always got to express compassion to others. That's the same thing you would want if you would be lost. That is what you would want if you would be lost. You know, but we have to exercise discernment. Uh, Jesus continues now talking about prayer in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and forward. Ask, and it will will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you, who if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. What time do we finish here? Am I done? I see 1010 over there. Wow, time flew this time. Okay. So I got five minutes, right? You got 10 minutes. Okay, time flew. Okay. So this is talking about prayer. But see, the thing here that we wanna, I want to communicate, God is not talking about a formula here where God is in, a, in the genie bottle and you ask for whatever you want. This is in a, in a context, in the context of his will, in the context of the kingdom of Christ. The God is not a blank check. God give me this and he gives it. If he we were give it to you, many of you would be lost. God knows what to give his children. Every time, you know, your son came to you, you decided what was good for him, what was not good for him. But the thing here that I want to communicate to you is that God talks, in, he uses three terms here. He talks about ask, knock, and seek. And what that is communicating is persistent Prayer persistent prayer. You don't ask only once. And here the best example I could give you is the the example of the judge and the widow. There was a widow that came to a judge and said, please hear my case. See, this judge didn't care for the things of God. He didn't care for justice. He didn't care for this widow. What can a widow offer? Once you were a widow, you had nobody to support you. You were a nobody at that time in antiquity. But that's Wero kept coming, and she kept coming, and she kept coming to the judge, and finally the judge relented and said, I will hear your case, but not because I love you, but because you will not go. (laughs) That's why the judge did it. And see, and the example that is there is that we need persistent prayer in our life. You know, I know that as Christians, sometimes we walk with a guilt that we don't pray as much as we ought to. But I, I, can, I can share a personal testimony here with you. Once in my life, and I'll finish with this. Once in my life, I was at a real cross point where uh, I, I was supposed to get this job. But the, the, the schedule was, was switched on me. And they said, you're going to work uh, the swing shift, I believe, which would interrupt my whole life that revolves around the kingdom of God, the church. And I struggle a lot with that. Uh, so I, I started praying. I started praying. As a man that I was married now, and I needed to know that my first responsibility was to provide for my wife, to feed her, you know. And your, your first ministry is at home, you know. As, as a husband, your, your, your number one disciple should be your wife, you know, and she should be the one who testifies, yeah, this man is a man of God. So I was really struggling. I started praying, God, please help me. What should I do? Should I take this job? It was going to improve my finances. And I was just praying, praying, persistent prayer. Even my wife knew that there was something wrong with me, and she knew what I was praying about. Is This job just has me, you know, uh, uh, with a lot of distress, and, and I'm asking for God to give me an answer. And I kept praying. And I received... A text message. Did you know God can text? (laughs) I remember that through two or three years before that, I had applied to continue my career with school, which would improve my at that time my finances, double my income. But you know, it takes time. You know, every school there's a waiting list. And when I was, I remember I was praying in the patio in my father-in-law's house. And this text, I received this text. It was from that representative I had talked to. And he said, hey, man, guess what? It's your turn. We have opened a new class and you will start. It's a three-year commitment. And it was with with my same schedule. It, It was a commitment to finish a little more school in my current career. And at the end of that, it was going to double my income. But I was praying. I was persistent. God said, God, you know my life is serving you in my life. I don't want a job to interrupt you. I don't serve it because of money. Because, God, if you can make it happen and increase my finances in a way that I can serve you, here I am. Persistent prayer. Now, God is not a genie, but I was asking within his will. It was to serve him. Now, if he would have not given it to me, so be it. I still serve him. But knocking, seeking, he's talking about persistent prayer, and we need that in our life. And God says, if you remember in the, in the last chapter, verse and in chapter 6, verse 33, God ends by saying, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. He talks about a worrying, anxiety, about your clothing. The place you live? And God says, don't worry about that. Everybody else worries about that. You worry about serving me. Obviously, we work. We try to be industrious. We try to be good at what we do. But our ultimate trust is in God. He gives you the strength to build riches. Every time you wake up, it's another opportunity that God gave you to serve Him and to love Him. Give God praise. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this opportunity you gave us to hear your word, Lord. There's so much we can learn from your word, Lord. Father, I pray that all these sayings, Lord, will give us a firm foundation, Lord, to build character in our life. To give the gift of mercy and compassion to others. To seek you, Lord, in prayer, Lord. To seek that which is the extending of the kingdom. As we know, Lord, that are there are many out there lost and we have been found, Lord. And we want to share this gift of salvation with others, Lord. Bless Cryo Christian Fellowship, Lord. Bless Pastor Arno and his family, Lord? In the name of Christ, Lord, I pray and everybody said, Amen. God bless you, church. Have a blessed day.